With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Zoltan today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, Miller and Dace. Time to make our Week 9 college football predictions. Last week, both of us went 7-8. and eight. I had 56 points. You had 48. The season total is you with 522, me with 513. Both of us, it's 63 and 57. It is tight. So we move on to the uh, back nine of the college football season. Let's start. In West Lafayette, where Purdue finds themselves as a six-point favorite against Nebraska. If you would have told me six years into the Big Ten that Purdue would be a nearly touchdown favorite at home against Nebraska, I would have laughed for a number of reasons. One, I wouldn't have believed it. Two, I would have been laughing because the reality is funny to me. Um, that's that's <laughs> that said. I just have to think there is still some pride and better players at Nebraska. Just just something to where Nebraska can cover a six point spread against Purdue. The last time these two teams played there, I think Purdue put up over fifty points. But you know, Nebraska was playing with their backup quarterback at that point in time. Uh, he threw five interceptions, I think. I'm going to take Nebraska and put 10 points on it. Well, I want to state from the outset, I don't like a lot of these games this week. I don't. And and so um, I'm putting high point totals on games. In most weeks, I would put mid-range point totals on because a lot of these games, I'm just trying to minimize risk because I, I don't like the way any of them sound. This will be my 15-point game, though, because I, I just think this is an overreaction in the line. And let me tell you why. Three weeks ago, when Purdue was still riding high, when, when they were the Big Ten Network's favorite team, Vegas made them only a four-point favorite at home against Minnesota. And that was a game that they trailed all the way into the fourth quarter. Okay? So you mean to tell me that when Purdue was – was playing its best football of the year. They're only a four-point favorite over Minnesota. And now that we're halfway through Big or almost halfway through Big Ten play, they have not scored. They've scored more than 10 points once. And that was a final touchdown, a touchdown on the final 30 seconds against Rutgers last week. They got them to 12 points. And now they're a six-point favorite over Nebraska. I think it's an overreaction to the way Nebraska played against Wisconsin and Ohio State. So I'm putting 15 here on the Huskers, and I think they will win the game straight up. 
Yeah, I I think that that's sprinkle a little good. frosting on the on the money line there. You like that? Yeah, I do. I mean, because everybody needs a little bit of that, especially when times are tough. So everyone appreciates that. <laughs> line opened at six and a half. It's bet down to four and a half. And of course, if you're well, if you're new to this, um, we pick the opening week lines. Michigan is at home against Rutgers. They are favored by twenty three and a half. I got to think they're sick and tired of hearing about offensive ineptitude. Uh, and their defense is still really good. Rutgers' offense, I don't believe, is. I'm going to put 13 on the Wolverines, probably to win this one by 24. Heck, maybe even 24 nothing. Yeah, I think the spread's about right, and I do think it's we're on a shutout watch. I think it's going to be 31-7, 28-3. I mean, I think it's right on the money. But again, I don't like a lot of these games. So I'll put nine on Michigan. I don't feel great about it, though. Um, I just feel less not great about this one than uh, several of the games to come. Yeah, less not great. Technical term, those of you new to gambling, people use that all the time. Um, (laughs) Indiana is at Maryland. You know what? (laughs) I, I almost went with Maryland just because, you know, Indiana seem Indiana is a five point five five point five point favorite in this game. If I said that mm-hmm. correctly, uh, at I think Mer- you meant to say five and a half, five and a hook. Yeah, there you go, there you go. I I probably should have gone with Maryland, but I went with Indiana. They've actually been playing pretty well the last couple of games. Took Michigan to overtime. Um, you know blew a lead against Michigan State, but a team with more talent. I'm going to go ahead and take Indiana. I'm going to put 11 points on them. Probably going to regret this to cover the five and a half. Maybe I'm bitter because last week, Indiana's why I didn't have a third straight winning week in my picks because they did the right thing. They they chose to let Sparty score at the end so to get the ball back, you know. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I just think at some point, similar to when we gave up on Maryland a month ago when they first went to this third-string quarterback, and DJ Durkham got them ready to go, and they won that game on the road at Minnesota, I think Indiana will will probably win this game. It's the five-and-a-half that has me nervous. Uh, So, Because you're still talking about a true freshman quarterback on the road. I mean, I, my guess is they win this game by around a field goal. So I'm going to take the extra two and a half points with Maryland. But again, I don't feel great about it. So I'm only putting five points on it. Wisconsin's at Illinois. The line is 24. Badgers, of course, are favored. Illinois is just so bad. I think that Wisconsin will cover this when I'm putting 14 on the Badgers. I agree. Wisconsin, Illinois is bad, but I, you know, Every year we do the, we do these picks, and I, I always tell you, we get in this juncture of the year, there's just one or two teams I clearly don't have a read on. Wisconsin's clearly that is, is clearly that team for me. So I don't know what to think. I'll, I'll put five on the Badgers. Um, but again, that's a, that's a lot of wood to lay in a road game, even if the team is Illinois. That's a huge spread, and you're not an explosive offense. You know, um, you're, you're not Penn State who, you know, you know, Saquon Barkley's going to make three plays, um, uh, 50 yards or more. But because of the slate of games, I'll take Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm glad that you sprinkled some frosting early on 
in this episode because just get the feeling that there's not going to be a lot of frosting to go around uh, with his um, the, your lack of confidence. These are, I'm not. These are tough games. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I, thought, I thought a lot of these spreads were really right on the money. Yeah, I think so. Michigan State's at Northwestern. They're favored by one and a half. This is my 15-point game. Uh, this is probably the game that's going to decide the uh, contest this week. I'm putting 15 points on Sparty to cover the one and a half at Northwestern. Um, you know, earlier you said uh, a, a great a great term that I can't even remember, so I'm just going to use one of mine that I think is relative to it. Um, Northwestern was less bad offensively than Iowa last week. They're mm-hmm. not, they're not good. I think Michigan State's defense is pretty good, and their offense is better than Iowa's. I think they'll win this. I'm putting 15 points on them. Wow. Well, you and I, you and I see this one totally opposite. And here's the thing with Michigan State. Do you know how many times they have fumbled this year? 15. 19 times. Hmm. Third most in the country. They just haven't lost hardly any of them. Except against Notre Dame. Except against Notre Dame. But I I just don't think that you can do you can live like that long term. I give them a lot of credit for the way they've come back this year. It's statistically really a very unimpressive football team across the board. Well, who else plays like that? In fact, who's made a damn career out of that? That's Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern, baby. That's what they do. Even the sleepy Evanston at 11 a.m., that, that's right in their wheelhouse. Last two weeks, they're saying Justin Jackson has been healthy, really, for the first time. They're saying now he got tweaked a little bit in fall camp. And so the last two weeks, he's been healthy. And what's happened? They've won the last two weeks. He's ran the ball a lot better. I think Northwestern gets this win. I'm putting 12 points on the Wildcats. Ohio State home against Penn State. Big revenge spot for the Buckeyes. I think, I just think to me, as far as the eye test is concerned, they look better. I think Penn State has some offensive line issues, and you don't want to have offensive line issues when you're playing the Buckeyes. Foreshadow to next week in Iowa City. But mm-hmm. put 12 points on Ohio State to cover the seven. This game to me comes down to this factor right here. Um, in the very first game of the year, that first Thursday night, Ohio State and Indiana. And Ohio State comes out under Greg Schiano, their de- defensive coordinator, with a defense very similar in approach to what Michigan and Don Brown run most weeks. And and what did Richard Legau, who's not who's a benched player now? He's I mean he's he's benched. He's not playing. And we sat there and watched him throw for 400 yards. What did what did he do? Fades, fade stops to Simi Cobb against shorter Ohio State defensive backs. They did that for well over a half until Ohio State changed its defensive approach, re- decided to rely more on its front four and and play a little bit more straight up on the back end. I think this game is going to come down to how what, what approach on defense Ohio State decides to take. Because even though the trend lines show that 
Urban Meyer, the numbers are nuts. I mean, he coming off a bye with he's I think he's 25 and 4 against the spread if he has more than a week to prepare. Um and one of those, of course, losses was last year in the playoffs. In revenge games, he doesn't lose very often, but in revenge games, he's like a 90% trend or something. I mean, the trends are insanely in Ohio State's favor. But here's something else to remember. They've now, the last two times they have played a home game, and, and both times they were about this kind of favorite, seven to nine points. The last two times they played a home game against a top five team that could force JT Barrett to throw. They lost that game against Oklahoma and probably should have lost that game to Michigan last year in overtime, and they won by three. They didn't cover either time. So I think this comes down, John, to what defense does Ohio State choose to play? If, if As good as Michigan's front four is, Ohio State's is probably better because they have more guys. I mean, the starting lineups are probably pretty similar. But Michigan doesn't have the second team like it had last year when Rashawn, Gary, and Maurice Hurst were the second team. Ohio State has that kind of depth. If they decide to say, we're going to play defense like Iowa does, like we saw Iowa do against Penn State, but we've got better athletes than Iowa does. All right, so we're going to make Trace McSorley show that he can make those with his, with his so- lack of size. He can stand in a pocket, face our pass rush, and make those timing throws against zone coverage while we're stressing his offensive front. If you go back to the Michigan game last week, where Michigan got get back into that game is when McSorley threw that interception to David Long. As I went back and watched the film of that game, Michigan was in a cover two defense, John. That was one of only, I mean, that was one of only about a third of the snaps on defense. Michigan played zone. McSorley misread it, thought it was a man, thought he had a hot receiver threw it to David Long, and that's the play that actually got Michigan back in the game in the first half. If Ohio State plays defense like that, I think it's going to be very difficult for Penn State to win because the environment and everything they had going for them last week in a major revenge spot is all going against them this week. If Ohio State decides, hey, we're going to come out here and try and dominate you rather than beat you, I think one of the reasons why Michigan never got out of that defense last week even though it was clear that they needed to make more adjustments and play more conservatively on defense, is they knew offensively they could not drive the field. And so they were trying to play a high-risk defense to hopefully create some turnovers in short fields to steal the game. If Ohio State decides, we don't have to beat you in the first quarter. We just have to have more points than you in the fourth quarter, and we have the better athletes top to bottom. And they play more straight up, meaning they make Penn State show they can – and drive a long field rather than a couple of big plays on fade routes to taller receivers or Saquon Barkley out of the backfield, then I think Ohio State will win. But before we sit there and say, well, of course they're going to do that, Steve. That's why I brought up that Indiana game at the beginning of the year. They didn't do that at the beginning of the year, and it almost cost them that game. I mean, they, didn't, they kept Indiana in that game long before, long, long after they probably should have. I don't buy any of JT Barrett's passing stats. The teams they play the last five weeks are all scrubs. Army's by far the best team they played, and Army has beaten literally nobody all year. So I really think it comes down to what kind of defense Ohio State runs. If, because if this, you, what you don't want to be if you're Ohio State is you don't want this to be a one-possession game and the other team has Saquon Barkley over there with the ball at the end of the game. So I, I think this spread is probably exactly right Again, both teams' defense are going to play very, very well. 
I'll, I'll because of the trend line in favor of Urban and the and the paucity of games I like on our slate this week, I will take Ohio State with 10 points. But I, I think if they play a very aggressive defense like Michigan did last week, that will greatly enhance their chances of losing this game. I know you watch a lot of Ohio State. What type of defense have you seen them play most of this year um, on a drive-in, drive-out basis? Will they play against uh, Oklahoma? Well, what happened against Oklahoma is Oklahoma moved the ball up and down the field until they got into the red zone, and they struggled to convert. And what defense was Ohio State playing? Were they playing a zone or man? They switched it up quite a bit. Okay. And and the now and because that's a good comparison. I'm not Trace McSorley's not as good as Baker Mayfield, but they are very similar. McSorley's kind of the poor man's version of Mayfield. They have the same, a very similar build. Um, he's not quite as as good a runner. He doesn't have quite the arm talent, but he's the closest thing we have in the Big Ten. So that's a good analogy. However, Oklahoma doesn't have any backs like Saquon Barkley, and nobody in the country probably this year, save Stanford, probably does. But and and Oklahoma's backs were also young guys like Rod like, like Rodney Sermon, who were newcomer newcomers, and that was really their very first test. I think a lot of what happened in that game is if you watch Oklahoma this year defensively they're bad that was the outlier what happened what happened in that game i think strictly is this a very proud program in in oklahoma got embarrassed in their own crib last year got sick and damn tired of hearing about it all year and just simply had wanted that game more than ohio state i think ohio state thought we could just show up beat these guys they're not that good like we did to them in their place last year because when you look at oklahoma's defensive performances the rest of this season john because I watch a lot of Big 12, too, with Iowa State. You look at their defensive performances the rest of this season, one of these things is not like the other. And the game that's not like the other is the Ohio State game. So I, I think that was sort of an outlier and in no way speaks to how good Oklahoma may or may not be. I, I think that um, – I, I, I think, I think a, a more conservative approach – when you have the better overall athletes, I, I, w- I, I was screaming at my TV all throughout the first half. As much as I love Don Brown, they won't be able to block our front four. Make them block our front four. That's what I would do if I was Ohio State. Make them show for four quarters that a defense that went into last week, hundred or an offensive line that last week went into went, was 122nd in the nation in tackles for loss allowed. That was Penn State's offense. That's the biggest mismatch in the whole game is Ohio State's defensive line versus Penn State's offensive line. But if you blitz them, you sort of mitigate your own defensive advantage because their entire offense is predicated around down uh, uh, you know, jump balls to Gasecki and swing passes to Saquon Barkley and obviously, if you're blitzing, that means those are the sorts of plays that are more readily available. One team that played pretty much exclusively zone coverage against Penn State this year, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, Iowa. We saw what happened. On the road, exactly. Penn State's offense scored two touchdowns in that yep. game. So we shall. they moved the ball well between the 20s, uh, for sure. Clemson is at home against Georgia Tech. They are 15-point favorites. I'm taking Georgia Tech because of the preparation departure that you have when you play them uncertainty with regards to uh, Kelly Bryant and his health for Clemson at quarterback Uh, 15 points is a big number I'm only putting three on it though not confident 
agree with you on this, even though Clemson did get a bye, but I'm not sure how healthy Kelly Bryant is. If And they've got, um, you know, Florida State still on deck. They've got some games the rest of the way, although the Florida State game is not nearly as big a game as it was like a month ago. Um, so I, I just think, though, this could be a game with what they're playing for. You may not see him run as much as they try to save him for a little bit later on mm-hmm. in the year. Also, if you look at metrics and analytics, like yards per play on both sides of the ball, Georgia Tech's one of the most deceptive teams in the United States of America. They are a lot better than their record is, a lot better than their record is. So I'm going to take Georgia Tech in those 15 points as well and put 11 points on it. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. A&M's home against Mississippi State. I don't have a great read on it. Six points is the number I settled on and taking the home team in A&M. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Uh, and this line has flopped through the course of the week. It's it's actually on the other started off on the on the Mississippi on the A&M side. It's I looked at it today. It's actually flipped to a point and a half on the Mississippi State side. So I'm not really sure what to make of A&M because they're playing football totally different than what we've typically seen under Kevin Sumlin, mainly because they have to because, you know, they're playing a true freshman quarterback. So they're playing more conservatively. They're, they're more willing to win games 17-14, 21-17 if they have to. Uh, you know Dan Mullen's record as a home as a road underdog in the SEC is really good against the spread. He just doesn't win a lot of those games straight up. I mean, the best player on the field is Nick Fitzgerald, the quarterback for Mississippi State. But you know, when you look at these teams' full bodies of work, they're just they're just so even. So I'll put three on the Aggies, and that's really just because of the twelfth man. Georgia, Florida, neutral site. Georgia, 14.5-point favorite. I'm sure you're going to pull out some cute little trend that War gave you uh, this week when you guys talked. I'm going to put... I'm going to put nine on Georgia to cover the 14.5 because I just think they're a lot better. I, I think they're a lot better, too. And, you know, I was very high on Georgia coming in. And I think if you were in my preview remember i mean i had him in my i thought they'd finish the year in the top 10 nobody had him in the top 10 in the preseason uh, i except one guy barrett salee who's one of the editors at athlons um I, in fact when i did my my talent my roster foundation thing back around memorial day i think they were number three or four in the country how do you how do you remember barrett salee did you look that up this week no, I'm just I'm a nerd. Jimmy freaking Christmas. Some guys were given the It sounds like an ice cream flavor at some foo-foo joint you'd get. That some guys were gifted with the ability to dunk a basketball and, you know, hit a hole in one and this is 
mine, which means I was my soul was last in line. That's that's pretty much what it means. But okay. uh, sorry, I got there late. Sorry to interrupt. That was just staggering to me. No, no, but I'm worried about this game. I think Georgia will win. My guess is it'll be like 27-10, something like that. But man, what you don't want to do, and and you know this from an Iowa and Iowa State perspective, perhaps. But when this is your big rival and they have own your ass and like for decades do you realize this is the biggest spread georgia's been favored over florida going back to at least 1976 i figured it probably was something like that 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 just tells you how long florida has has dominated this rivalry even in the early 80s when georgia was at their zenith they were barely pulling this game out when they had herschel walker they just florida has just owned them owned them so, I'll put six points on the Gators. I think they have no chance to win the game at all. But I'm worried about the hook. I know that's weird, but I'm worried about the hook. Because I certainly think it could be 31-17, 24-10. Right. Both these teams, I mean, Florida's defensive front, John, is legit. They are good. And you're still talking about a Georgia team that in a lot of these games is throwing for like a buck 25. Right. Because they got a freshman quarterback and they're just pounding teams. They don't have to. And with their defense, they don't have to throw the ball. Well, that's kind of the way Florida wants to play. I mean, Florida, it, they don't want to throw the ball because they can't. All right. Georgia may not want to throw the ball because they don't have to. We may find that out on Saturday because Florida's defensive front is good. Southern Cal is a three-point favorite at Arizona State. I think the wrong team's favored here. I'm going to take Arizona State and put eight on it. I agree with you. I got 13 on the Sun Devils. I think I think USC's wad was blown at at, at South Bend. I think I think Clay Helton's got a real challenge on his hands now. In that it's different. Well, Steve, he rallied them last year when they were one and three. You can be if you're one and three heading into October. You can walk in there, especially when you just made a switch to this young kid named Sam Darnold that mm-hmm. no one's ever heard of, and you can sell those guys on, hey, we still can win the conference. We can get to the Rose Bowl. We can make this season meaningful. They, he played that. He played that card last year, and now this year these guys were preseason top five. We're going to win the national champion. All that stuff's out the window. They're so beat up. And I was so impressed with Arizona State going on the road last week, physically just mauling Utah, which is that. I mean, Utah's kind of the Iowa of the Pac-12, if you will. I mean, that's hard to do that to go in there and do that. So, to me, this is a trajectory game, and I agree. The wrong team is favored. I've got 13 on the Sun Devils. I saw a note. sprinkle a little frosting on the yeah, money line. You really did. I saw a note this week um, that said. The Pac-12 is still on course for the division winners in that league to potentially both have lost to San Diego State this mm. season. Uh, that would be Arizona State and Stanford. That would be something. Well, um, we're watching Stanford is trailing Oregon State at halftime right now. You're watching that. I didn't even know it was on. Yes, I am watching it. Notre Dame, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home against NC State. Notre Dame's played really well this year, but so has NC State. And because you're giving me the hook there, I'm going to take NC State and put four on it. That's very smart. The hook is the thing in which you'll catch the conscience of the king. The hook oh, is, is look, at you. look at you. Look at you going like Shakespeare. You get Shakespeare and Bert Salee only on the Dave Miller podcast. And Blues Traveler. 
the hook brings you back. There you go. I like that. Nicely done. Um, I, I think NC State, there's one team, Notre Dame's rushing stats for a non-triple option offense is are crazy, like 318 yards a game. But there's one team that bottled them up this year. Do you remember who it was? No. Georgia. And how did Georgia do it? Well, outstanding defensive front, and they had a quarterback that didn't turn the ball over and played with poise, which forced Notre Dame to go long fields. Hmm. That's exactly what NC State is. Outstanding defensive front led by led by Bradley Chubb, and then you throw in Ryan Finley, who's a better quarterback at this stage of his career than Jake Fromm at Georgia is, but he's also thrown zero interceptions so far this year. I, I would not be shocked. They're coming off the bye, too. Don't, I would not be shocked if NC State won this game straight up. I'm putting 13 – I'm sorry, I'm putting 14 on the Wolfpack. I'm going to reveal something to you after all these years of knowing me. There's something that you do consistently that puts me on tilt a little bit, and that is your rhetorical questions that you ask me. As a device, it's a broadcasting device. But you'll throw, you'll you'll pull some really weird, hard, only savant knows question. You'll say, you know what the answer is, and there's that awkward <laughs> two second silence that I'm that I oftentimes just don't say a damned thing. You know what? I do this to my staff on my show, and I wonder why do they just kind of look at me yes. so dumbstruck? And it's yes. because of what you just described. Yes. They can't ever tell. Or did they? Do they want? Did, like, does he want me to answer or not? Do I know what the answer? And that's why I usually I, sit. I usually just sit it out. Am I being set up? Am I being set up to like again moron? Is it something totally different than what I think the answer is? Yes. They do this to me on my own show all the time. Yes, that's why I just give you a little, give you a little feedback there. But there's no way you're there's no way nice. you're not going to do it because it's subconscious. It's ingrained into your style. So. When you hear the song. You know why it is? It's because for most of my career, I've been a solo. Show, sure. Solo. Yeah. That's yeah. why so I had to learn how to have a conversation with myself so that it didn't sound like a homily. Exactly. Or a lecture, yes. you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oklahoma State. You know what I mean, right? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I, I totally do. I, I, I've always known what it is, <laughs> but it just bugs me because oftentimes I don't have a damn clue what the answer is. And I'm not going to get the pants, so I'm just going to sit there quiet because I know you'll pick. I know you'll pick up the dead air here shortly. Uh, Oklahoma State minus seven at West Virginia. I'm not really confident in this. Oklahoma State hasn't been covering lines that I thought they would cover thus far this year. They've been winning some games. Won an ugly one last week in Texas. Uh, very fortunate. What a, a horrible throw by the Texas quarterback. Um, I'll put five points on the Cowboys to cover in Morgantown, but I don't feel great about it. Don't have a good read on this one. I don't. West Virginia's defense, not as good as it's been the last couple years under Tony Gibson, running that uh, Rich Rod three three five. But the two big games they played this year, um, Virginia Tech and, and TCU, they lost them both, but those were both one-possession games. And their defense at least kept them in the game. Uh, they're coming back home. Uh, and, of course, it's tough to tough to win in Morgantown. It's consecutive road games for Okie State. 
and the game against Texas, man, was not your typical Big 12 game. That, if you watch that game, that was a Big 10 game. Those two, they were just sitting there slugging each other, kicking field goals on fourth and goal from the one because points were tough to come by. Oklahoma State's offensive line is really beat up, but I have a hard time believing that two weeks in a row they're going to get bottled up like that again on offense. So I can see this one going either way. I'll go with Oklahoma State. Because I don't even think they have the quarterback advantage, per se. I think Will Greer is every bit as good as Mason Rudolph. But I, I, I'll put two points on Oklahoma State. But, man, I'm I'm not really confident about it. That's why I'm only putting two points on it. Washington State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Arizona. Do you know the last time they were a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Arizona? I don't. I figured you might. Uh, I don't either. Arizona, I'm going to put seven <laughs> points on Arizona to cover <laughs> I see what you did there. I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. Uh, I'm going to put eight on Arizona. You know, they got this kid, Khalil Tate, that is just lighting the world on fire, probably saved Rich Rod's job. And by the way, if you want to if you want to sprinkle a little uh, frosting on the uh, on the on the total, every game since Khalil Tate was inserted at quarterback, every Arizona state, every every Arizona game has gone over the total. So there you mm. go. This is also the third road game in four weeks for Washington State. And this one is expected to be pretty hot, humid, and muggy in the evening. And I think when you're going to be asked to chase that quarterback around, that little Pat White wannabe for four quarters, I think that makes a difference. So uh, I think Arizona, I'm going to take the Wildcats here and put eight points on them. I think they will pull the outright upset. Yeah, last week. Washington State played in, what, 40-degree temperatures and rain yes. and wind. Yep. Just to- total different there. Um, Texas TCU is on the road uh, at Iowa State. The game's going to be played late afternoon. Uh, if it were played Friday, that man, I, I wish Friday's weather conditions would be what we'd see on Saturday. Um, but they won't mm-hmm. be. The wind won't be as bad, but you still always have the 15-mile-per-hour prevailing winds in Jack Trice Stadium. All that new scoreboard probably knocks it down a little bit. I'd really like to see Iowa State win this game. I I would absolutely love to see it happen. I don't think that it will. Uh, I'm not entirely confident that it won't, though, because it seems to be a little magic in Ames this year. I'm putting two points on TCU to cover this one, the six-and-a-half-point line. Just because TCU, I think they can back up what they've done thus far. But I'm actually rooting for Iowa State to win this game. This has been the spot that Iowa State has always fallen flat. The moment of t- to take the next step. And, you know, I, I was there two years in a row with Cyclone Nation against Kansas in 05. Missouri in 04. Um, we, we've seen this play itself out before. There was a, a key game for in the division under Paul Rhodes with Nebraska at home when he really was, was you know, revitalizing the program after the Chiswick era early on, and, and they couldn't make it happen. We, we've just we've seen this before. They never get it done in this spot. They never do it. I think they're going to do it this time. And here's why. It's because it's the first time I can remember that Iowa State has had two chances in a season to take the next step 
since Seneca's senior year. And what happened in Seneca's senior year is they got off to that great start. They had the game against Florida State. Did he get in? Did he not? You know, in Kansas City. They reeled off six wins in a row, got to number nine in the country, went down to Norman. We know the story. Lost 49-3, to and it probably wasn't that close. That also probably – or it's, it wasn't the greatest year in the history of the Big 12. It was one of the best years ever for the Big 12. I mean, their closing stretch that year – with Texas and Kansas State and all these teams were all in the top five, top ten, and they just lost them all. But that team was Seneca Wallace and the and it was Danny and the Miracles. It's just Danny Manning was Seneca Wallace. That team was just kind of winging it everywhere except for number 15 under center and his heroics. This is different. I mean, this is a team that is playing fundamentally sound football. They're winning, and three of their last four games have gone under the total. So what does that mean? If you're an Iowa fan, you know what that means. It means they're winning at the line of scrimmage. That's what it means. It means they're not out here, you know, uh, you know, playing Sandlot Big 12 football. If, if you're winning three out of four games in the Big 12, and one of them's in Norman, Oklahoma, and they and, that have gone under the total, it means you're winning. You go back, the game, that game against Texas – that was that that was what we typically see from Iowa State in this spot. That next level game where they fall flat. Well, John, I think it's different playing a next level game against Texas or Oklahoma than it is playing one against TCU, if you know what I'm saying. Hmm. Okay? There there just isn't the helmet factor. There's not the mystique factor. And you look at the way TCU plays, look at the last two weeks. They have a common opponent against Kansas. Iowa State and TCU played virtually the exact same game. The exact same game. So, one, this is another game where I love the under. But I'm going to put seven points on the Cyclones because I, I'm i not sure it's the same team. Yeah, David Montgomery ran for 164. Most of those came in the second half. He wasn't running for Jack Squat in the first half last week. And, and, yeah, everybody, we want to break up Kemp, the young quarterback, the, the, the former walk-on Juco transfer. Yeah, I mean, he's, got a, he's kind of like, you know, uh, he's kind of like Iowa's quarterback. His touchdown-to-interception ratio is great, but he's not throwing for 300 yards a game out here in the Big 12. They're playing sound, fundamentally smart football. The, what's odd is Iowa State's gimmick is they don't have a gimmick. They're just tough. And I think that, that that has a chance to maybe maybe that is how for the first time they take that next step that we've been waiting for them for frankly to take for decades. They've never beaten two top five teams in the same season, which then again, I'm not sure a lot of programs have many of those. Uh, the last time they beat two ranked teams in a season was 2011. Uh, before that was 2005. And then before that, you have to go back to 1976. So they've, wow. got, they've got a big opportunity here to write some history for their program. Um, I hope they do it. I really do. I know, I know that rankles some of you listening to this, but that's okay. I sincerely do hope uh, that they get a win. Last game, Iowa opened as an 8.5-point favorite against Minnesota. Not really sure where that line is right now. Um I think it's about seven and a half now. I just, Minnesota can't really throw the ball. They struggle mightily to throw the ball. They do have a dual threat quarterback, but they 
this year, if they're going to do anything, they're going to run the ball. They're going to play, try and play their brand of power. Now that zone read inside, you know, you know, the first handoff fake, that's something that can slow down Iowa's linebackers and freeze them a little bit. But I just, I just have to think that Iowa is going to win this game, win it by ten, and maybe it'll be seventeen seven, maybe it'll be twenty to ten, uh, twenty to seven. I don't know. But you you mentioned earlier this year that there are a couple or earlier this episode that there are a couple of teams every year that you have a hard time finding a read on. Wisconsin is one of them. For me this year. Iowa is another. Now, that said, how the season's gone from a macro level, it's kind of the team that we thought. But as it relates to the lines and trying to figure out what they're going to do and if they'll cover, I don't have much of a feel for this Iowa team. I'm only putting one point on this game uh, and taking Iowa. Wow. We both see this exactly the same way. I'm only I'm, – I've, I've, this is also my one-point game, and I'm with you. You know, odd is the is the game I've been I was the most confident that I had a read on Iowa was the one against Penn State. <laughs> All right, so I, I just I think I'm pretty confident Iowa will win. the The problem I have with this spread is the number eight and a half. First of all, uh, just screams backdoor cover. Secondly, I'm a little concerned. This is a game where I do think there could be a, P, a PJ Fleck factor, and what I mean by that is. Where it's 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 you know obviously it's a big rivalry game to both teams. I think it's a little bit bigger rivalry game to Minnesota, um, and I, I could see you know Iowa coming in a flat effort against Northwestern. You know I I I, I worry about a PJ Flick factor where they get off to a quick ten nothing lead with a turnover or something. You know he gives some kind of speech. They get all fired up. And then eventually Iowa comes out, grinds away, and 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 wins the football game. But that's where that eight and a half number, I think, is very troublesome. So I, I don't think there's a much of a chance for that Minnesota can win. I, I would say twenty percent. But that eight and a half, I really don't like. So I'm yeah. only going to put one point on the Hawkeyes. Yeah, that's it. I don't like that line either. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Pick'em segment. Thank you to Heartland Flagpoles and Flags as well as Exile Brewing Company for sponsoring the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. I'll be talking to you Saturday evening immediately following the Iowa-Minnesota game on the Instant Reaction Podcast. We'll talk to you then.